When you go home from Shul tonight, you'll be escorted by two guests. It's a famous Gemara, you all know it. Let's read it inside. It's the Gemara in Shabbos on Dafkufiyot Hashemud Best. And the Gemara says, Rabbi Yosef Ben Yehuda says, Shnei Malachi Hashares Melavinah Le'Adam Ve'erev Shabbos Nibesakneses Le'Besay. There are two Malachi Hashanis who accompany every Jew home on Friday night from the shul to his home. Echad Toyf, Echad Ra. One of these Malachim is considered a good Malach, one is considered a bad Malach. When he arrives home, a Motsin near Daluk, he finds a table, the candles have been lit, everything is prepared, the table is set. Then the Malach, who's the good Malach, says, a bracha, it should be like this next week as well. And the Malach Ra is forced to answer Amen. And if Chasvashalom is not like that, if there's a state of disarray and preparations have not been made for Shabbos, so the Malach Ra says it should be like this next week. And the Malach Toiv is forced to answer Amen. We understand the value of being given a bracha. We understand why the Malach Toiv comes and we hope the Shabbos is prepared. And we're going to be zeichet to the bracha that the next week should be the same. But why do we want the Malach Ra? Why would you want to host the Malachra? Why is he a part of the story? But much more, I'd rather not invite him into our homes. I don't think we should leave him in the shul either, but he can uh, visit somebody else's house. Why is it important that there has to be a Malachra as well? And that the Malachra is an integral part of this idea of the Malachim coming to visit a person, and in fact we welcome both of them. When we say Shalom Aleichem, so we refer to it in the plural. Shalom Aleichem Malachi Asharis. We're welcoming both of you. What's so important about the Malachi? This week's Pasha, Pasha is Bilam. We know famously the story of how Bilam, Bilam tries to curse the Jewish people. Bilam has a reputation. He is the most effective uh, giver of curses of his time. And he's employed specially to come and curse the Jewish people. And we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu prevents Bilam from cursing the Jewish people. But, if we had to ask the question, how does Hashem stop Bilam from cursing the Jewish people? The easy way to do it would be that his curse shouldn't have an effect. That he, that he can say what he likes, but Hashem won't accept it, and it won't work. One wants to do more than that, so then Hashem could not allow, so to speak, that middah that Hashem is willing to punish be active, and then the curse will have no basis on which to have an effect, which is what Hashem did do. The Gemara tells us in Brachas, that for all those days that Bilam was there, there wasn't that moment of anger that Bilam could have used to curse the Jewish people. 
and therefore there was no way the discussions were going to have any power. That would have been enough. Why was it necessary besides for that to do the secondness of forcing Bilam to change what he wanted to say? Let him curse. His curses aren't going to work anyway if Hashem doesn't want them to. Why was it necessary to have the addedness that the words Bilam wanted to use were changed and instead of the curses he intended to give, what emerged from his mouth were actually brachas? So to understand this, we really need to go back to a very fundamental point. And to understand what does it mean to give a curse or from the positive side to give a bracha. How do things that can have an effect? Why should what somebody else says affect what happens to me? So let's first talk about the positive. Let's talk about giving brachas. How does a person give a bracha that makes his bracha effective and this isn't a new innovation? We know already from the Gemara that a tzaddik or a Talmud Chacham has a power to give brachas and his brachas are work. work. What kayach is that that he has? So, the understanding is like this. We know from the Rizal, so not his Chiddush, but he just brings it down so clearly, that when a person does a mitzvah, that connects him to the force of the good in the world, the force of tough. There's a, what's called the Merkava of Kedusha, a power of holiness, of purity in the world. And when a person does a mitzvah, it connects him to that. And the more mitzvahs a person does, the more he gets connected to that source of good. And if that kaya chatoiv has the ability to bestow blessing, then the more an individual has done mitzvahs, the more he's connected to that kaya of blessing, and therefore, the more powerful his brachas are going to be. They have a force, so to speak, of Torah that they're connected to, which opens a spiritual channel for that bracha to take effect. And obviously Hashem who created the system knows what the elements are which affect that kayach of Torah in the world and how that's going to have an effect on our mitzvahs. Uh, our mitzvahs we do is going to have an effect on connecting us to the Kayakatai. But there's also the converse. There's also a Kayakh of Rah that Hashem created. A Merkava of Tumah, a force of evil. And the force of evil wants to do bad. Whether it's the Satan, it's the Malachamavas, there's a Kayakh to punish, to destroy, to kill. And here also, a person has the ability to connect themselves to a spiritual source. And by doing that, so they now have a connection to the force of bad in the world, the force of wrath. And if there's that kayak then to you to utilize one's speech or one's actions as a way to bring wrath, to cause bad to happen, so the more a person's connected to that force of wrath, the more they're able to bring that about. How does a person connect to the Kayak of Ra? So this we know from the Torah. Just like the Torah tells us what to do in order to connect to the Kayak of Tav, the Kayak of Goodness, the Torah also tells us what to avoid. Because those are the things which if we would do them, would connect us to the Kayak of Ra. And for the person who wants to connect to Ra, 
So then, he can take his rule book of what the Torah tells us not to do. So that we shouldn't connect the Ra for this corrupt individual who wants to go against the Torah, so then that will tell him what to do. What will bring a spirit of impurity in a person. What will render him more tame and as a result more connected to that Chayach of Ra. That's what the Gemara tells us, so when a person does an Avera, it's Metamehim. That doesn't just mean that it means he's now worthy of punishment. It means in a spiritual sense, he's now more Tomeh. Which means there's more of a connection of, to the Kayach of Ra. And for those people who wanted to do bad and were looking for that connection to Ra, so this is, what they get, this is how they found it. And therefore doing Averas wasn't the end in itself. Doing Averas became a means to the end. If the end was to become Tommy, to connect to the Satan, to be able to inflict evil, so the way to get there was by doing Averas, that would make a person more Tommy. And then you'd be able more to curse, to access the Koyach of Ra. Let me give you an example of this principle. The Torah tells us in Pashas Re'eh, Rak Chazak, the Vilti Adam. Be strong not to eat blood. Which is an unusual language for the Torah to say. Be strong not to do it. And that the Chazal wonders, was there a certain attraction in eating blood that we had to strengthen ourselves not to do it? So the Midrash brings us an argument in time to name. The one time this is not. Blood is not palatable. No one wants to eat blood. So why does the Torah have to tell us be strong not to eat blood? Because to show us that if even for a mitzvah, which is easy for a person to fulfill, we get we rewarded. So Kalbuchim, how much more so for a mitzvah which a person finds difficult to fulfill? When they have more of a natural, so to speak, temptation to do that there. And the second time it says, No, that's not the reason. The Torah says, Rak Chazak because the oiv davidizara was shtufim b'dam. The idolaters, they used to imbibe large quantities of blood. And therefore, one has to distance himself from that. And Torah says, therefore, be careful, don't touch the blood. The understanding of this is that there wasn't an argument about people's tastes or what, the, what the, was palatable to different groups. No one likes the taste of blood. So why were the oiv de kechavim shtufim b'dam, or they wash in blood? Because Avedi Zara is a way to connect to the Kayach of Tumah. And therefore this was something Tameh. This was something evil. By drinking blood, it connected people to that source of bad. And specifically Avedi Avedi Zara, who wanted to connect to the evil in the world, this was a way to do it. That's why you'll also always find, both in the Torah, that always brings the prohibitions against various kinds of arayas with Avedi Zara. And historically we know as well that the various pagan cults and religions there were always involved our eyes, always involved human sacrifice, drinking blood, or any other form of evil that the Torah talks about, because that was a way to be evil. And if they were over of a desire and they wanted to connect to that koyach of evil, so then that's what they looked to do. It wasn't just a which were done out of 
taiva. Out of the middle of a person wanted something. They were coming from a calculated way to do bad. To be bad. Because that's why they wanted to connect to the source of bad. That was also Bilam's koyach. We know about Bilam's relationship with his donkey. It wasn't a soul because of unrestrained taiva. It was a way to do bad. It was a way to connect to the source of bad. And therefore, if you want to know what koyach did Bilam have to curse, the koyach of cursing comes from a connection to the koyach of wrath. And Bilam, who was the maybe the most evil of his door, Lahavdil, whereas Moshe, the greatest tzaddik, was the source of bracha. His connection to the koyach hatav was he was able to bless and his blessings would be fulfilled. Bilam was able to curse and his curses would be fulfilled. That's the koyach of Ra. Now let's look at another Gemara. The Gemara is in Sanhedrin and Dafkofayim would base. And the Gemara is talking about Bilam's brachas. And the Gemara says that from the, between the lines of what Bilam blessed Klai Israel, you see what he really intended. The curses he had intended to give. And on that the Gemara says, V'kulam Even though in the Torah he blessed instead of cursing, they all reverted to being curses. Except for one. The bracha of Ma'atoivu Alecho Yaakov, that remained the bracha. But everything else became a curse. And the Mephoshim find a great difficulty with this Gemara. If Bidam had given the curses and Hashem had decided not to act on them, then one could say the words have been said, the curse has been given, but if at a later stage the Jewish people don't deserve the fact that Hashem's ignoring the curses, so maybe the later on the curses will take effect. But as it was, the curses never happened. Bidam didn't utter a single curse. He wanted to, but they were never expressed. As we saw instead, he gave brachas. So how could they all revert to being curses? That curse had never been given. And the principle is, let's look what Bilam tries to do. Bilam comes, he tries to curse Klai Yisrael, he tries to utilize whatever kayach of rad that he can to take it to have an effect against the Jewish people. He tries using the Choshim. He tries using Ayin Hara. He tries to invoking memory of the Egel Azov. And in every way he tries to use the Koyach of the Ra against the Jewish people that's blocked. He's unable to do it. And that's what he says to Balak. How can I curse someone when Hashem is preventing me giving that Tola? I'm unable to touch them. They're protected. They're on their own. Curses aren't going to have an effect on them. And why was it like that? It was like that because Klai Yisrael at the time were on a plateau of Ruchnius. Were on the level of being Tzadikim that the Koyach Harai had no hold over them. They were protected by Hashem. They were surrounded by the Anunay Kovit. They were on the level of Kedusha. 
that Ra couldn't affect them. And therefore, even if Bilam came, and Bilam tried, and Bilam had to concede defeat, he said, I can't curse them. There's no way for the curse to be cut. But that brought to the sinister plan that Bilam had. And Bilam said to Balak, he said to him, they're right now on the level where the Korachara has no hold on them. The curse isn't going to work. The only aid I can give you, Balak, is if you get them to do Ra, you get them to sin, then they're going to lose the level that they're on. Then they'll, by sinning, have an attachment to the Koyach of the Ra, and then all the curses can be chaf. And that's what happened. The Jews did sin, they sinned in Chetim. It's known that Chetim is the same Gematria as Satan. And by sinning in Chetim, they gave the Satan the ability to reconnect to them. And now all the Kladis, which Bilam had wanted to give, they weren't Chal because Bilam gave them. Bilam was just the spokesperson for the Ra. He might have been the most evil of his day. But now that the Jewish people had sinned, so now the Koyachara did have a way to hold on to them. And that opened the possibility of all the curses taking effect. And we see this principle. We see this principle of a person who is a Tzadik Gomor, that the Ra can't affect them. The Gemara tells the story of Avchanina, that there was a certain, a certain witch who was trying to use the Koyach of Ra to affect him. And to do that, she needed to take sand from under his feet. And Gemara says, and Khurin, he told her, take the sand, it's not going to make a difference. The Gemara says, because of Hanina Nafish Sfuseh, he was such a tzaddik that the Ra couldn't touch him. You can try curse, you can try use spells, incantations, witchcraft, sorcery, it doesn't make a difference. When a person is too far removed from the Ra, then the Ra can't have an effect on them. It was only when Klaishal lost their own level, then they were susceptible to being affected by curses. That's the background. And now let's get back to the questions we asked before. We asked why was it necessary for Hashem to change Bilam's words? It would have been enough if Hashem had just ignored him. Not gotten angry and then the curses wouldn't have had the place to be chal. And the answer is because Hashem wanted us to hear from Bilam himself. From the paragon of Ra. From the spokesperson of the Sultan. That there is nothing I can do to you. As much as I want to curse, no curses can come forth. Let Clarice shall hear that when they are on a level, that they are on a level of Ruchnius, above the reach of the Ra. Then the Ra too has to be made that they get a bracha. The right to also has to admit that they deserve reward because there's, there's nothing, there's no place where they've done wrong that the right can have an effect on them. So by trying to give curses and having to concede, I can't curse. It was a, it was a demonstration to Klai Yisrael of the level that they were on. And there was no mockum for a curse to affect them. Let's go back to the Gemara we started with. Shabbos. 
You know, the Marin of Uchim tells us a tremendous thing. We celebrate Shabbos. We dress for the occasion. We prepare fancier food. Shabbos is the aim of enjoyment. The Marin of Uchim tells us that there were pagan religions where Shabbos was a day of distress. Shabbos was a day of fasting. Why? Because those who understood how Ruchnias works, those people who were trying to connect to the force of Ra in the world, when Shabbos came with its extra elements of Kedusha, its extra level of good, its extra holiness, so then Shabbos for them was a tragedy. There was an over, overwhelming amount of Kedusha in the world, they couldn't cope with that. They couldn't access the Ra. Even more recently, one of the ways that until today there's still people who try and access the Koychos Ra in the world is what's called Darish Mason. They try to connect to the Nefesh of a dead person through various Tomei Mahalke in order to speak to them. Of course, like everything else, it's an Isra in the Torah. And like every other Isra in the Torah, it's going to cause a person to become Tomei. And that's what it does. But people are trying to do as well. And they claim that it doesn't work on Shabbos. They can't do it on Shabbos. Shabbos is too much Kedush in the world. They can't connect to Elkai Chatomah. So people who, that was their life, and that was their connection, was to Tumah. Shabbos was a day of distress. And by showing that we celebrate Shabbos, and by showing that we're happy on Shabbos, we're showing that we enjoy Kedusha. We're showing that an extra Kedusha is something that we live for, something which inspires us. As opposed to those people who used to, who used to mourn on Shabbos. Maybe we also find in this an allusion to the words of the Balamor, it says a person doesn't eat hot food on Shabbos. We start to suspect maybe he's a min. Maybe he doesn't want to enjoy Shabbos because he has too much of a connection to the, to the side of evil. Because when Shabbos comes and it has an extra outpouring of Kedusha. So that makes the world a place that brings a person to a level that the Ra can't affect him. There's too much Kedusha. That's the point of the two Malachim. The point of the two Malachim isn't just that the Malach HaToyv should say Yehirat so that next Shabbat should be like this as well. What's more important is the Malach HaRash should say Amen. Because that means he admits, I can't touch this person. He admits the person is keeping Shabbos. I can't interfere with that. I can't argue and say, I hope next Shabbos won't be like this. When a person keeps Shabbos and connects that level of Kedusha, so then on Shabbos there's nothing for the Malachara to do except to concede defeat. And we want him to say that. Let him admit that we are on a level that he can't affect us. If chas v'shalom, a person is not keeping Shabbos, then it's the other way around. If a person is not keeping Shabbos, then he shows that he doesn't appreciate the Kedusha. So then 
for sure. He, the Malach HaTov has nothing to say. But for a person who wants to connect to Kedusha, Shabbos elevates him to a place where now on Shabbos the Malach HaRa can't affect him. And that's how it fell on Shabbos too. She may not distress, no sorrow, no problems on Shabbos. You should be protected by Shabbos. That's the same concept as Bilam giving us a bracha. And if Chas V'Shalom we're not on the level, so then the ability to be cursed comes back. Not because Bilam cursed us. Bilam understood that curses can only be hal when Klai Yisrael have lowered themselves that the curses are able to touch them. But nevertheless, the Gemara tells us even though Klai Yisrael did fall and Klai Yisrael did do averis, and as a result we could be affected by the Kayach of Klai in the world and we were. There's one bracha which stays a bracha. Azal medayket from the pasuk vayavich Hashem is aklala levracha in the singular in the singular, which means all the other klalas Bira wanted to give, he had to admit right now I can't give them. I can only give brachas. Maybe in a future stage when klalas shall don't deserve it, they can get these klalas. But there was one particular one which vayavich Hashem. Hashem turned it around. Hashem converted the klalas into a bracha. Which means now it's only a bracha. And that is Matoeva Alecha Yaakov. Matoeva Alecha Yaakov says the Gemara, that's referring to the Bata Knesias and the Bata Medrash. The places where Klai Yisrael are learning. The places where Klai Yisrael are davening. That's a place which won't go back to being a Klai. That's a case which will only be a bracha. Why? Because the place where we're learning Torah is a place where we still have that connection to Tov, connection to Kedusha, that the Ra can't interfere. And we know this as well from various Gemaras. When a person's involved in learning Torah, he can't get affected by the Ra. We know David HaMelech. As long as he was learning, the Malach HaMavis couldn't touch him. The Gemara says a similar story by Rav Chista. While he was being Isaac with Torah, the Malach HaMavis couldn't touch him. When a person's Isaac with Torah, then they're back in that place where the Ra has no effect on them. And that's why that particular bracha, Matoivo Alecha Yaakov, how beautiful are your tents, Yaakov. When you're sitting and learning, that's the source of bracha. That's the source of bracha which the Ra can't touch. That's the place where Bilam's brachas, where Bilam's chorus will never take effect. That remains the source of creation. In conclusion, I heard from Mayav Rabbi Moshe Shapira, but he said that's not just the case of that's a place where the brachas will take effect and the klala can't reach. But it's more than that. That's the way we're going to regain the other brachas too. If we have a focal point, we have a starting point, a point of sufficient kedusha where we can't get affected by the ra, then that becomes the nucleus of building ourselves to a level where altogether we can't get affected by the ra. The source of bracha, whether it's Shabbos, whether it's Torah, is to start with that place which is only a bracha, that place which is only Kaddish, that place where the Ra can't interfere, but then develop that to bring ourselves to the level, which is what Bilam had to admit, 
the title can be at a stage where as much as the Rama try, it has to concede that we're above its reaches. It can't touch us. And we deserve only bracha.